Good morning. My name is Steve Kartstein, and welcome to Under the Elk, our monthly podcast uh, where we discuss uh, happenings uh, at the Elks Theater and Performing Arts Center. I am the marketing and program manager there, and today we have two special guests to discuss what it is they do there. Uh, we have to my left directly, uh, Deborah Lerman, who is a guild certified Feldenkrais practitioner and a licensed physical therapist in the state of Arizona. And next to her, on her left, is Ustaza Azra, next, who is the director of the New Moon School of Belly Dance here in Prescott. And uh, before we start talking with them about what it is they do, uh, I'd like to just talk for a couple of minutes about an event that happened last week at the Elks, uh, which was a benefit for the Granite Mountain Interagency Hotshot Crew Learning and Tribute Center, which went over three days, the 19th, 20th, and 21st. And it was a benefit to uh, raise money for the Learning and Tribute Center. Of course, everybody knows who the hotshots are. Uh, coming up on the six-month anniversary of that tragedy. And uh, we sponsored a benefit uh, to raise some money, and we raised uh, almost $23,000 uh, over, the, over the time of the event, which was really wonderful. We had a silent auction. We had a, uh, a, a panel discussion with uh, members of the movie crew and some others, and everybody was wonderful, and it was a great, great event. Um, we uh, were a couple of grand short, so if anybody out there has uh, got a couple extra, extra grand lying around the house and needs something to do with it, uh, this is a place to put it so they can achieve their goal. And you can reach them at the, uh, their location in the Prescott Gateway Mall. Um, they have uh, a tribute center there, and if you've never been there, you really should go and check it out. It's got wonderful memorabilia and artifacts from the fence, and uh, they are open Friday and Saturday right now. It's totally run by volunteers, so, you know, make, make plans to go there. Also, this Saturday, uh, tomorrow, is the one-year anniversary of their opening. They opened at the Tribute and Learning Center one year ago. Uh, tomorrow, and they will be having a uh, Central Arizona Honor Guard pipes and drums there, uh, and there'll be cake to enjoy, uh, so a bit of a celebration, so if you get the opportunity, please go out there and join them in their one-year anniversary. Okay, um, like I said, we have two special guests here, both, are you okay there? <laughs> 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 Okay, well, you're good. Oh, you're a little stretched out. <laughs> yeah, there. yeah, a little bit. Okay, uh, we have two special guests here. We Staza Azra, who's having her neck stretched right now, and uh, Deborah Lerman. Uh, and we're going uh, gonna to start with uh, Deborah today. And uh, her specialty at the Elks Performing Arts Center, uh, and she has a partner she'll tell you about, is Feldenkrais. And before we get into what exactly that is, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and some, some bio stuff. Okay. Um, well, I just wanted to thank you for allowing me this opportunity to be on television. <laughs> I think the Sorry. last <laughs> time I was on television, uh, I was six years old on the Marshall Kagan show in Tucson, Arizona. So I am an Arizona native, um, and uh, I um, have always been a little bit 
hyperactive, a little hard for me to sit still. So being involved with movement was a natural uh, path for me to take. When I was young, I took dance. And uh, in my 20s, I was teaching dance and yoga and exercise. Um, and I actually uh, have a degree in dance from the University of Arizona and studied uh, in the graduate school at NYU uh, in New York um, for a while. I was a little wild and decided I would rather dance than be in school. So I did dance, uh, modern dance in New York and uh, continued to teach for a few years. Uh, but I decided I wanted to grow up and be able to pay my own bills. So <laughs> I went back to school and uh, got a degree in physical therapy at NAU uh, in northern Arizona. Um, and I worked as a physical therapist with adults with um, orthopedic difficulties, um, meaning they um, had surgeries or they had some kind of pain and uh, I um, happened to be very good with neurological patients, with patients that had um, Parkinson's or a stroke or uh, head injuries and uh, that was a bit difficult for me when I was young um, but I continued treating all kinds of patients and when I had my son, um, I started working with infants and children and did that here in Prescott for eight years. Um, I ran a back school um, and a work hardening program. Uh, and uh, 10 years into my physical therapy practice, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. And it was a severe injury for me. I had was very embodied, loved moving and dancing and running and swimming and biking, and uh, was unable to get my body back and move in the way that I was familiar with. And I was at a conference of physical therapists in Phoenix, and Mark Reese, who has since passed, but um, is a was a Feldenkrais trainer was giving a workshop there, which I took, and I told him my situation, that I wasn't really able to f walk the way that I wanted to. And so he used me as an example. I walked in front of over 100 physical therapists, which was quite mortifying, because I really couldn't walk. And I remember that experience. Uh, as I teach other people who have difficulties, I have tremendous respect for the um, emotional and spiritual aspect that goes with having difficulties. Anyway, I was in a training within two months, uh, 10 years into my physical therapy practice, and since that time, I have primarily um, treated individuals and with the, the Feldenkrais work one-on-one -on -one is called functional integration and in a group it's called awareness through movement. Okay. How did the 
your original work of phil, uh, physical therapy, how how different was it to go and get into the Feldenkrais? Um, you know, where did you left turn there or right turn there? Well, you know? it actually was straight on till morning because I had the dance background, so I had this physical experience of movement and freedom, and then the physical therapy gave me the uh, science and the mental picture. Mm -hmm. And for me to have danced for 10 or 15 years and then, you know, um, uh, then actually we, we dissected cadavers and I get to see all of the musculature and the joints and everything that I had been using, uh, that put a whole piece in place. And then the science of rehabilitation and then coming to the Feldenkrais and having science and movement and function melded together and married together, um, it was such a, a joy and such a natural progression for me. Good. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So what is Feldenkrais? Mm. So Feldenkrais was a man who uh, was a scientist. He was um, first a surveyor and a laborer, a builder, and then later um, a physicist. He, he was a genius, and he incorporated many um, philosophies and many techniques of the time. It was the time when somatics was very prevalent in Europe, and he was in the hotbed of uh, science in the Sorbonne and later with a group of um, refugees that were uh, stuck on a, an island off of um, Scotland trying to solve some problems, uh, trying to intercept German U-boats. So these, all of these scientists of the time were really interested in the um, Com combination of uh, neurology, psychology, physiology uh, in helping people to better their lives individually and also to better the culture by becoming um, more present, more embodied with their movement, and being more efficient and powerful in their movement. Okay, so this was in the 30s and 40s then? It was in the 40s and 50s, and then okay. he came to the United States and began teaching Americans in the 60s. Okay, okay, very good. Excellent. So, um, the history of, of Feldenkrais, and what specifically is it designed to do? So, sp specifically, it's designed to help people move more efficiently. Um, so there are, there's m movement that's specific to the human species, mm -hmm. rolling, sitting up, um, pulling to stand, walking. We all do those things. And we should theoretically all be able to do them well. And so when there's some kind of trauma, could be war. It could be could be physical trauma in the family. It could be that you grew up in it where the floor wasn't clean enough for you to 
um, to crawl on it. It could be that you had parents that were very um, critical or intervened with your own natural learning. That affects how we move in the most basic, simple ways. And by going back to moving with awareness, slowing things down, and in, with my voice or with my hands, I instruct you like, okay, when your whole system wants to roll, your head does this, your eyes do that. What, what's happening in your shoulder and how does that relate to what's happening in your hips? So in a class, you mm -hmm. might be lying on the floor and we're doing a rolling lesson. And by the time you've slowed down and moved in small, simple patterns, your brain cues into the underlying pattern that we're working on and the whole pattern becomes more efficient and more, mm, not just efficient, but harmonious. And so when you find that harmony, it affects the way you stand, it affects the way you walk, it affects the way you think. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna talk a little bit more. As an infant, when you begin to move, you're defining your relationship, not only with yourself, you're finding yourself, but you're also defining the space around you and your, your relationship to it. So as you clarify that, and as it becomes more um, neutral and more harmonious, it's possible that other parts of your life become simpler and more harmonious and you, the object of Feldenkrais is that you are better able to get what you want and through your life. Can That's you give the big a, picture. A simple example of how that would manifest itself between me doing what it is I do or and how that would connect outside of me. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to my mind is of course the computer because I've seen you at the computer many times. And so, um, so if you're at the computer and you're neutral and you're looking in a way that's mm, easy for you, uh, you're, you're gonna, and you're sitting on your bones and you're, you're alert and you take breaks and you're aware of your own limitations and what's mm -hmm. natural to you, then by the end of the day, you may feel um, more energetic, more positive about what you're doing, mm -hmm. less stressed. Okay. And then one last thing is that when someone comes into your office and they're looking at you, if you're like this, they're going to get one impression of who you are. Right. If you're like this, they're going to get another impression of who you are. And you're going to have another experience because of that. And so if you're in a neutral position, you're in the best position you can be in both to express yourself and to be, to be heard and to hear someone else. So it's really okay. important. That makes sense, yeah. So Good. when you, and be, pli be polite, when mm -hmm. you walk into my office and you see me. <laughs> I have seen you in many, I have seen you in many situations, but in general, I found you to be incredibly 
kind and uh, and very responsible. Okay. I did not pay her for this. <laughs> He's a great boss. <laughs> Um, so, as you got involved in mm -hmm. the, the discipline, I'll call it a discipline, mm -hmm. were the qualifications that you had to go through? Mm. How long did it take yeah. you to become, uh, I guess, a, a practitioner, yeah. a licensed practitioner? Well, my training was four years, and it was eight weeks uh, at a time, uh, four weeks and a week off, and four more weeks. and. So we spent the first two years primarily doing the awareness through movement, rolling on the floor, learning about ourselves and becoming more neutral. And that involved going back as far as suckling, you know, starting at the very beginning and then uh, how use of the eyes, like a baby would go follow his or her mom across the room. And then we did things like judo rolls and uh, standing on our heads. And then the last two years were much more involved with the hands-on. So we had this really solid experiential knowledge of ourselves mm -hmm. that we could bring to the work. And I just want to say that makes a huge difference between Feldenkrais and many other um, methods that are out there where you can be certified quickly online in a weekend you know this is a this is a a commitment um to become a feldenkrais practitioner okay are, are there are there different levels that you go through the only parallel i can look at is uh, karate white belt you know brown belt green belt well um hmm. There, you can be a practitioner, you can be an assistant trainer, and you can be a trainer. Okay. Uh, beyond, um, beyond becoming a practitioner, um, there, you know, I, I take a continuing education with teachers that I respect, and uh, I have probably, I don't know. I've taught classes since I graduated once or twice a week, and that's for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I've had a full practice, meaning that I've seen, I don't know, from 16 people a week to 4 to 16 people a week for the past 20 years. So I don't have any more letters <laughs> after my name. <laughs> but I have a lot of experience. Okay. Very good. And when when somebody comes to you to take your, your class, your course, mm -hmm. what is it there? Do, do they all have to have the same goal? Can they have different goals? Or what, what, yeah. what expectations can they have when mm -hmm. they come? Well, I think that the primary expectation that you can have in a Feldenkrais class is that you will learn to move more comfortably with more ease and less pain. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's across the board. And then there are people in there who are there. I have one person who's a martial arts teacher and specialist that it, it just dovetails with all the things that she does. I have another woman there that is, um, does it just for her. Gosh, I have so many different people in there. 
Um, people do it just for self-actualization, kind of improvement of who they are. Um, I have yoga teachers that have had injuries. Um, so all different kinds of people come to that class. Uh, you can you, you can pretty much feel sure that you will be more sensate in your life, that you'll experience your life in a more um, from your senses in a bigger way if you um, practice Feldenkrais regularly, and that brings you more into the moment, and that is a different kind of liveliness. Okay. Is the class open to anybody? Yes. I have people who have quite a bit of pain and disability, and I have people who have none. And I have had, I have had students, I've taught awareness through movement to children, um, teenagers, college students, adults up to 90. And you manage uh, the different levels of care you need within the same class, or do you do special classes? Right now, I do manage, after all these years, that the newcomers are there with people that have been doing it for years. Um, if someone has disability that is prevents them from participating fully, I offer um, private sessions to, so, to bring them to a point where they could take the class. Okay. Very good. And do they need to, is there any equipment uh, that's required? We have pads and mats. You do need to dress comfortably mm -hmm. and in layers. Sometimes in the winter it gets cool in the room. Um, yeah, you just wear something that's loose that you can move in and uh, you can bring your own mat to go over what we have if you have cleanliness issues <laughs> <laughs> okay and uh when are you when do you hold your classes well uh, and uh, you don't have to at the elks and elsewhere okay feel free um i so feldenkrais is taught by myself on tuesday mornings at 9 a.m we end generally by 10 sometimes unless there's someone coming in Sometimes we go over a few minutes. Um, and then there's another class taught by Penny New, who is also a GILD-certified uh, Feldenkrais practitioner um, and a massage therapist. She teaches on Thursday mornings at 9 AM. So that's two classes that are available uh, per week. Um, and the other things I'll be teaching are workshops. Should I bring? Yeah, okay. Go right ahead. So I, that. yeah, thank you. And so mention how to be, how they get in touch with you if you have a website, phone okay. numbers, emails. All, all right. That. I'm going to talk about the workshops, and then the last thing I'll do is the contact info. So the next workshop that will be happening is um, called entitled "Bones for Life Meets Feldenkrais: Finding Strategies and Balance." So that will be taught by myself and um, Elizabeth Keith, who is a Feldenkrais practitioner and certified teacher of Bones for Life. Bones for Life uh, is a derivative of the Feldenkrais work, um, and it is oriented toward osteoporosis prevention. So she is primarily going to be teaching weight-bearing strategies that you can use at home that will help you uh, to align your body and to cue your system 
for the uptake of calcium. Try to okay. be short. That is on July 28th from 9 to 3. The charge is $65. Um, and where, where is that? It's at the Elks Theater uh, Performing Arts Center, Studio One on the second floor. Um, and um, yeah, it's filling up. So if you are interested, contact me. My phone number is 808 896 5118. And then following that, I will be teaching um, a workshop um, for uh, sitting and to ease sitting and meditation. I have a meditation practice, and I found that meditation and somatic education support one another and feed into one another in an amazing, beautiful way. So on August 11th um, at the Elks Performing Arts Building, Studio One, again, from 9 to noon, I will be teaching that workshop um, will be $35. And then um, I am going to be participating in a fall immersion day. It will not be at the Elks. It will be at Juniper Wells Ranch. Um, let me see. I have to get my other piece of paper. Um, and I am teaching that with Ann Finley. She's a local... Um, yoga teacher, and we, it, we will be teaching a workshop, Integrate Your Yoga Practice with the Beauty of Awareness Through Movement Lessons, Weaving Together Yoga and Feldenkrais, Finding, um, finding the, the, um, the <coughs> combining of awareness and practice and how that can um, bring you a, a kind of embodied stillness all right very good yeah. thank you so much thank you no i appreciate that that was very interesting and yes now i've what? learned how to say it so. how much for the last oh the last one is 75 dollars if you sign up before the 12th of august and 85 dollars after and can i just give my my um email address leslie l-e-s-l-i-e L-E-R at yahoo.com. It's my Excellent. middle name and the first three letters of my last name. Okay. Right. Perfect. Perfect. Let's turn to Anastasia. Uh, and as you remember, she is the director of the New Moon School of Belly Dance here in Prescott, Arizona. And okay, take it away, Anastasia. What, what, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got involved and where you came from and, you know, Everything, all the, of, all the things that are necessary for people to know about you. Sure, and also you may hear me coughing. I have the lovely allergy cough from our juniper, awesome mm. national forest. So I am a really, really big foodie. I have nearly every spice known to man because I want to be able to make Indian or Vietnamese food at midnight at my house if I want because belly dance and food go together perfectly. <laughs> Uh, part of that is uh, my mom, she came from Singapore, and when she came to this country, she couldn't really eat a lot of the food, so she had to learn how to make it, and me and my sister were guinea pigs <laughs> for all the foods. 
also Fun. with my mom, my on my grandfather's side of the family is where some of the women would end up belly dancing. And my mom would tell me all these stories about the gatherings and the women dancing. And it was awesome. But I was also very shy when I was young. <laughs> so I didn't really do a lot of dancing. And she didn't feel the need to teach it to me here in America. Just like a second language, which would come really, really handy right now <laughs> as an adult. And so in my 20s, I decided to just go for it and do it. And I started taking tribal belly dance classes. And then I started to expand and taking modern Egyptian belly dance classes, American cabaret belly dance classes. And currently I'm heavily studying Turkish style belly dance. It actually ended up taking me to Turkey where I got to take some lessons in Istanbul and explore and eat all of the foods <laughs> and also buy gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous costumes. It's also where my husband ended up proposing to me. So lots of good memories there. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so um, how did, so you, you, you got into belly dance sideways to your, from your mother, I presume is what you're actually yeah, saying. Yeah, because and belly dance is really, it's a social dance. Really? So think of it, uh, the electric slide. Okay. When you go to a wedding, everyone does the electric slide or you should know the electric mm. slide. That's what belly dance really is. Belly dance comes from the social dances. So the type of dancing that my relatives did was the social side, the folkloric side of belly dance. And then you have belly dance, um, also known as raksharki, dance of the East, which is the more formal a setting. So you wouldn't do the electric slide for a five minute song fully. You would do the electric slide and then add some other moves in it. That's what belly dance is. It's the social dances from Egypt, from Turkey, from Lebanon, from Greece. And it's set for the stage uh, because wedding dancing can be a little bit repetitive. Right. <laughs> so when you say when you say social dance, how, how do you mean social dance? You mean that they would get together and do this as a, yes. a, a on a holiday or on a holiday at home when you're just you hear some really, really beautiful music and you just dance because belly dance, just like other dance forms out there, it evolved from the music, the music of the countries. A big uh, belly dance move that you normally end up seeing is something called the hip drop, where your hip drops and you end up doing drop, drop, drop release, drop, drop, drop release. And it ends up following a belly rhythm, which is from Egypt, which is Doom, doom, taka, tak, doom, taka, tak, taka. So it just ends up naturally just coming from the music. So people would just be gathering and dancing. And then in kind of the 1800s, as more Westerners ended up coming to the countries and seeing this dance, they won. They weren't really used to seeing women dancing in the open. Right. So scandalous right there. <laughs> and they started trying to bring that dance to uh, the West, it's like to the US, also you've probably heard Little Egypt, it's like mm -hmm. in here in Whiskey Row. Um, and they started showing their dance from that country in the Western side. And then as the 
venue ended up changing because for the most part the dance was done in a very small venue you're in either like a nightclub or you're just on a certain spot because you want to be close to your musicians then as it got uh, started transitioning to a big stage the movements became grander bigger <coughs> allergy cough awesome and you ended up seeing just a lot more um fine-tuning of the dance in order to make it entertaining for an audience versus just dancing with your friends in your bedroom. Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. So it was <coughs> really a, a it was it was a private event more than anything else that grew out into something more. Yes. Um, okay. That's that's fascinating. And you mentioned in your introduction all the different kinds of belly dance that were out there, Turkish, Egyptian and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. How do they differentiate? Do they have common roots? Uh, you know, how, where did they branch out? It is a very uh, contested topic. Okay. <laughs> you just post on a belly dance forum. <clears throat> I think that belly dance came from here and the internet explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because there is just so much sharing of the art form. In Egypt, Egypt at one point was under control of the Ottoman Empire. Right. So you have that at that time Turkish and Egypt sharing of the arts, transitioning from side to side. But as the countries and the dancers ended up just moving, you ended up seeing a more, um, not, I wouldn't say division, but just a little bit more kind of like a New Jersey accent versus a California accent, <laughs> that type of thing. So with Egyptian dance, in, it is very, very emotional. You'll have the dancer, sometimes she won't be doing any real big movement, and then she'll just be really, really drawing out her hip circles or having a little bit of emotional trauma at that time because the song just speaks to her so much. And then you have Turkish style dance, which is what I tend to gravitate towards, where you're all over the place. It's just energy of pop, pop, pop on the floor, zilling mad fiends. It's, it's really, really, really energetic. There's a saying that uh, Egyptian belly dancers turn ice into water, Turkish belly dancers turn ice into steam. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just have, again, because everything is tied to the music in Turkish style dip belly dance, you'll have different types of rhythms. You'll have dancing to nine, eight uh, rhythms. Uh, Egypt, you'll have dancing, it's like to eights. So it's like sometimes you'll have, uh, due to um, the Arabic influence, dancing to maybe a 10 um, with a muwasha, and it is just Everything is just beautiful and it just, it, they all have their very, very, very uh, special way of interpreting the music. And then you have American Cabaret, which during the 60s, 50s and 70s, we didn't have Google. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of information being shared. So when a dancer would end up getting hired for a club and they said, we need you to belly dance, okay. She started following what the native dancers were doing but then she might go to one club. Oh no, you're doing the shimmy wrong. It's done this way. She goes to another nightclub. Oh no, you're doing the shimmy wrong. It's done this way. Not realizing that it's because, well, this band might be Egyptian. This band might be mm. Turkish. So it was right. an early fusion that created that vintage classic style that you kind of associate in kind of like the James Bond's film and what uh -huh. most people associate with belly dance. It's that classic form, which is the early fusion mm. just 
created from not realizing that there were different styles. <laughs> and I, then, huh. I always assumed, uh, obviously I'm incorrect here, that this was a storytelling. Um, and that's not true at all. There's no, there's, the movements are not particularly evocative of uh, events or times or anything like that. No, it's not like where you have um, some uh, Indian, it's like a dances which mm -hmm. have certain symbolism right. um, in the movement. There might be some symbolism um, when you go to a little bit more of the folkloric style, but for the most part, it is the dancer trying to make the music visual with her body. Um, you should be able to understand what the music is saying just by watching the dancer. If you were to mute a YouTube or a video, you would be able to tell if it was a fast song, if it was a sad song, a happy song, where the drum beat is just going bam. You should be able to see it on her body. Okay, and this is this is what you teach. You yes. teach the interpretation of the music to the body. Yes, as well as um, American travel style, which is a modern evolution that also happened in America based off of the classic style that uh, formed um, here in the 50s and 60s. That style actually uses a cueing system, almost like a belly dance sign language. There's no choreography, which normally belly dance is supposed to be improvised anyway. Uh, but in this case, a group can be in perfect sync and everyone will have thought that, oh, they've been practicing that dance number forever. And they just created it on the spot because the leader is cueing movements that's embedded inside of the dance and everyone is moving. They know when to do a turn. They know when to go this way, when to shimmy that way. And everyone is in sync because they know this language. Okay, and so, that's what I teach at the Elks. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's done by hand signals or just? Body language. Body language. Body okay. language, some of it is hand signals. Some of it is a look over the shoulder. Some of it is a certain uh, rotation of the chest embedded inside of a certain move will cue the dancer. Right. And so you really, really um, become aware of how people are moving their body and getting a connection with each other because you're having to focus on everyone because leadership can change in the dance. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. wow, that's fascinating. And how long did it take you to be good? <laughs> no. Well, belly dance is a forever journey. Okay. <laughs> you never, you never reach a, a, an end. Helena Havlanos, an amazing, amazing belly dancer. Um, she's been belly dancing since the sixties and she still takes belly dance classes because okay. you never stop learning. Okay. There's always something new. For this, um, I've been dancing since 2005, and I've been teaching um, since 2009, and teaching both American tribal style belly dance, which I have a certification in, as well as classic belly dance. Okay, thank you for the segue, because I want to this certification. <laughs> the next question is, what's involved in getting, um, you know, a license or to practice or just the certification? Yeah, yeah and... Certification, I will tell you, it is more of a Western thing. There really is no certification for belly dance when you actually go to the countries because it is about your interpretation. There isn't a set rules, you just know it. And a, a lot of the times when you're getting training over there, it, you're not learning a choreography, you're learning different transitions, different steps. So it's just kind of a follow the bouncing butt type thing. Right. But then in more Western countries, since students tend to like a little bit more structure, 
and then we have a calendar and that's where American travel style comes in because it has a set language so that you can go to Russia, you can go to South Africa. If you dance with an ATS troupe, you will know all of their moves and you'll be able to go right in because you know the cueing system. Right. Classical belly dance, Egyptian style, Turkish style is more geared towards the soloist and okay. you, that's because you need to just interpret the music faster, the, use different type of music, uh, a little bit more uh, complex. Okay, so I, I come to your class, I, I start how? Take me through. I'm kidding. <laughs> Everybody invites me. I'm sorry. I'm, you know, uh, love to do it all, but uh, but realistically, uh, so I walk in the door and how do you start the process? Where do you begin to explain what it is mm -hmm. you're getting involved in? Um, well, at, for the American Travel Style classes at the Elks. I always start the students with a movement meditation. And this is a movement drill that centers you and gets you ready because a lot of the students, they're coming straight from their jobs or straight from the kids. Um, they may have been at their computers in the really weird posture <laughs> uh, doing things. And it's a, kind of a reset button where we get together and we recognize that you are here for this purpose. You are here to take time for yourself in this dance and we do that movement meditation. Then we start out with a warm up just to get your body moving because again, you might've been in weird positions for the day. And then we start with isolations because belly dance is all about micro movements, about having control of your body. A lot of times we can just run, we can move our arms everywhere, but when you're asked, I just want you to move one side of your hip up and down, we have a little bit more of a problem that in some areas that are a little bit tighter than the other. So we do right. isolations, then we start building up in the step work, then you start getting into the cueing system. And in the level one class, you learn the foundation movements. This way you get comfortable with the um, basic moves of the Egyptian, the Arabic, the Turkish step, and then you move up to level two mm -hmm. uh, when you're able to test into it and then you build upon that. And then there is a level three where you really, really <laughs> get to learn about formations and all the things that I said, okay, you just have to turn this way. Now you get to turn the other way and we get to spin, spin, spin. Okay. Which I love. Okay. I love spins. <laughs> Excellent. And how long, so level one, the beginner class, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, and how long would it take the average person to, you know, kind of become comfortable? With yeah, what it, is it, it really depends. It's, it's kind of uh, like the how much effort you put into it mm -hmm. is what you're going to get out of it. It's set up as a six-week series, and I tell everyone, you would not take a six-week ba uh, like ballet class and be doing Swan Lake right. <laughs> at week seven. So you need to just feel comfortable, get in the movement, and then I always have the students, when you feel ready, which some students, they take three six-week classes and they're ready. Other students, they're in the level one for a year, it's like two years. It just depends on what their goals are. Some people just really want a level one class that they could just, I'm doing it and I'm leaving and also, it's just a nice way to get to know people that's outside right. of drinking. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay. you get a bonding experience mm -hmm. and exercise. It's always good for activities. Okay. Uh, is this, uh, the class is open to anybody obviously, but yes. are there particular benefits that people can realize by doing the belly, belly dance? There are so 
many studies that are being done just in general on how dance can improve your life. Uh, whether it be your, uh, it's like for mental, it's like physical strength, for belly dance, a lot of the benefits end up being a time one, it's time that you're taking out for yourself, so that just kind of reset of your brain, of being able to isolate your body, of being aware of where your tense areas are and working on that and really gaining flexibility. Okay. Interesting. And rocking out in your kitchen because then <laughs> after you take the classes, any music comes on, you just start dancing. <laughs> okay, cool. And is is it age restrictive? No, I've had from age three um, all the way to age, I think she was 76. Really? Yeah. You can belly dance is a very safe dance. Now you'll see some crazy stuff on YouTube of crazy athletics and all this stuff, and that's awesome. But at its core, belly dance is meant for all ages. It is the core work, it's your interpretation. If you want to do the splits and you're able to do splits, do the splits. But if the splits aren't your thing, you don't have to. It, there's no requirement that you have to be able to do certain moves in belly dance. You can gravitate towards certain ones depending on your interpretation. Excellent, excellent. Well, that saves me a lot of trouble. Uh, One day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Um, so I, I've seen I've seen some some you know when I walk in and you know to say hello or something and I see you with the veils and things and what kind of equipment do you use? Is it very based on the level? Or does everybody yes. get to use everything or because some of it's, it's the sim finger, finger symbols, symbols and yes. things like that? You know. I love the finger symbols. Finger symbols is an American travel style belly dance and very heavily in Turkish style belly dance. For the level one class, I always get finger symbols on the students' hands because you need to get used to having it on your hands. Otherwise, you're gonna start flicking it like a cat with tape on their paw. Okay. <laughs> so you get used to just having them on your hands and moving with them. Right. And then I start teaching you uh, the rhythms because there's so many things that you can do with it. You can even do an acapella piece. I actually ended up creating a DVD on how to really work your zills and work for acapella. And then in classical belly dance, that's where you end up having the option of veil work. And in um, Egyptian style belly dance, you'll have a cane. It's like a dancing as well. Right. So just different props depending on the style of belly dance that you're doing and also, of course, your level. But I provide all of the props that are being used in the classes. Okay. You just have to show up in comfy clothes and either barefoot or in dance shoes and you're good to go. <laughs> okay. Wow, excellent, excellent. And so while we're, you just gave us the segue, tell us, how people can get in touch with you, when, when, you, when where, how, and why are the classes, and, and any special events you've got coming up. Sweet. <laughs> so you can find out all of my information and class schedule at bellydanceprescott.com. I teach American Tribal Style Belly Dance, level one, level two, and level three at the Elks Performing Arts Center. The level one class is from 5.30 to 6.45. It's a really good class if you're wanting to work in a group and get that kind of taste. It's like a belly dance and learn an awesome cueing system because Prescott can be a kind of a, a, a transit, it's like town. So just know that if you learn the American travel style belly dance, you can go to LA, you can go to New York, and if you find another American travel style troupe, which most likely you will because we are everywhere, you are going to be able to just jump right in and not have to start back at square one. 
The level one class is $60. I also teach classic belly dance at Yavapai College through community education. That's going to be offered in September. It is on Mondays and it is going to be $75 starting at 4.30 p.m. And really, really cool belly dance events coming up. The most closest one is going to be in November because it is a huge festival in Phoenix called the Phoenix Rising Dance Festival. They are bringing in awesome instructors. There's going to be shopping because everyone loves shopping. And also there's going to be performances and hopefully me and my student troupe of the Newman School of Belly Dance will be performing on that Saturday. Wow, excellent. And just to clarify that the cost of the classes is the series, the six yes, series. Yes, the series for a six week series. It is not the cost it's like for one class, it spans over and you just bring yourself and we rock it. Okay, and how do they get in touch with you if they want to? You can pre-registration. Yes, you could uh, register for uh, through Yavapai College. You could go through community education, but all the links will be on my website of bellydancepresscit.com, and you can also email me at info at get ready for this u s t a d z a a z r a, which is just my name, Mustasa Azra. Dot com. Perfect. All right. So thank you very much, Ustaza. That was great. Uh, so what you've heard is just a couple of the classes that we have going on at the Elks Performing Arts Center. And you can find the full listing on our website, uh, prescottelkstheater.com. Uh, just look for the link that says classes and click there and there's contact information for both Deborah and Ustaza, along with everybody else that is involved currently there. Um, what I'd like to do now is just take a break and turn to events that are going to be happening at both the theater and the Performing Arts Center uh, coming over the end of this month and into July. Uh, starting with the theater events, uh, currently we have in the theater uh, with the Park Avenue Theater Group, uh, we are showing Thoroughly Modern Millie. Uh, those actually started yesterday, the 27th, and will continue today and tomorrow. Today's show is at 7 p.m., and tickets are still available. And then Saturday, there is a 2 p.m. matinee and a 7 p.m. final show. Uh, these are local. It's a Park Avenue Theater is over on Park Avenue, um, down the street a bit. So we're in pretty good shape there. It's real easy to find, but uh, they're coming in and we're working in conjunction with them. Uh, tickets are available. Uh, they're $15 for adults, $12 for students, and 18 years and under. And of course, they're available on the website uh, or by calling the box office at 777-1370. Uh, in July, we're moving on. Uh, we have a number of movies that are being presented. Uh, the movies are always on Wednesdays, 7 o'clock. Um, so on the 3rd, we have, just in time for Rodeo, uh, Junior Bonner, filmed here in uh, Prescott, Arizona, and fun to see. She did it a couple of times. It's, it's, worth, it's worth seeing. Um, after that, on the 10th, uh, Wednesday the 10th, we have uh, this science fiction fantasy movie called Labyrinth, which... Uh, which we're, we're going to that, David Bowie. Going so. to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, but I, I've read some of the reviews and everything on it, and people just love it's it. It's fantastic. Yeah. They have Labyrinth balls. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. 
And uh, flipping to the 180 degrees on the 17th, The Big Lebowski, mm -hmm. which is, if you've never seen that one, Jeff Bridges in an exemplary role, uh, along with a cast of other character actors that are just doing a wonderful job. And like I said, uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays, admission is a cash donation of any amount, gets you in, and it benefits the Elks Theater and Performing Arts Center's community outreach programs, which include scholarship, music buybacks, and uh, other programs. And uh, we have some musical shows coming up, 7-5 um, uh, for the July 4th holiday. We have uh, Salute to America on the 12th, uh, ABBA Fab, which is a, if you're a fan of ABBA, this is a show to see. It always sells out. It's a great high energy show. Uh, after that, we slow the pace down and we've got the Johnny Cash Road Show because he's been everywhere, man. No <laughs> doubt about it. On the 20th, the uh, musical Paul Simon, uh, tribute band. Um, and then uh, we have Anton Teschner's and Drew Hall's Summa Totus. And they'll be in, uh, in the theater for one show, uh, the local band. And they do a great job, very well known, and uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, tickets uh, for all shows available online at uh, prescottelkstheater.com or at the box office that I just mentioned. And uh, then on the Performing Arts Center, we have one event scheduled for uh, this month, or coming up July, and that is the Top of the Elks, our jazz dance. Uh, and that's going to happen on July 8th. And uh, that is presented by uh, El Gato Azul and the Flying Nest Movement Arts. And it includes uh, tapas and appetizers from El Gato, two dance lessons from the Flying Nest, and the band, uh, the Bob Ratner Jazz Band. So for $35, you get all-you-can-eat food till it goes away. And we also have a bar available, beer and wine bar available. And the proceeds from the beer and wine go to the uh, uh, outreach programs for the Elks as well. Um, so uh, I'd like to give the two guests an, uh, one opportunity to kind of Tell people how to contact them again, phone numbers, emails, and then we'll be signing off. Linda? Adebo, sorry. So um, you can contact me at my phone, 808-896-5118. Uh, my email address, leslie, L-E-S-L-I-E-L-E-R, at yahoo.com. And I also have a website which is www.deborahlerman.com. Sometimes I've had to type in the HTTP colon double uh, in order to get it, but um, this information is also available on my website. Thank you. Okay, so you can call me at 928-275-3938, website bellydanceprescott.com, Facebook, New Moon School of Bellydance.com. Also have an Instagram, New Moon School of Belly Dance. I'm everywhere, and if you happen to see me in the grocery store, I'm happy to answer Belly Dance <laughs> questions. <laughs> and what grocery store would that be? Oh, any of the fries, sprouts. I'm everywhere. Again, okay. I'm a foodie, so okay. I am everywhere. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And if you have questions regarding the Elks, uh, the office hours for me, uh, from 9 to 3, Monday through Friday, and phone number is uh, 928-756-2844, or info at etpac.org. I'd like to thank our guests. 
for spending the afternoon with us and Lynn for hosting us <laughs> and join us next month in July the 26th for the next edition of Under the Elk. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.